Northwest Christian School Online provides online Christian education for any students ranging from kindergarten to 10th grade. The tuition is fully covered through the state of Arizona's ESA program and is affordable for families out of state. You can count on NCS Online for a rigorous, proven online program that establishes a robust biblical worldview for all students. For more information, go to ncsonline.org. That's ncsonline.org. Well, hard to believe we're already in the middle of August. Um, yes. Looking forward to another Kingdom of Culture Conversation podcast. Yep. Um, thank you so much, Eric Stanley. That was powerful. Yeah, uh, Eric, and we're, we're going to have the opportunity. We'll hear Eric again uh, later this fall. But yeah. I'm excited for today's guest. Today, yeah. we're going to hear from Kathy Harrod. This is a conversation yeah. that that I had over the over the course of the summer with Kathy, and Kathy is the president of the Center for Arizona Policy. Right. Uh, in the first part of the conversation, we're going to hear from her over the next couple of weeks on a whole bunch of issues. Uh, including things like transgender athletes in sports in the state of Arizona. Uh, Kathy's been a real champion of faith, family, and freedom in the state of Arizona yeah, through is. her work with the Center for Arizona Policy. But today's kind of a special conversation because uh, she really opened up and shared her testimony. She talked about uh, how it was that she came to be a Christ follower. And, and one of the things I didn't realize, uh, at one point she considered herself to be a liberal feminist. And, okay. and over the course of time, she she grew in her relationship with Christ and, and is the case anytime we grow in Christ's transformation. Absolutely. Occurred. And she's gonna talk about that today. Well, that's uh, another example, like Eric Stanley, um, Kathy Heard pursuing his purpose. Yes. Something we want for our kindergartners here, our preschoolers, our seniors, and all of them in between, our faculty, that they are using gifts God has given them for the purpose of the kingdom. Thy Amen. kingdom come. Amen. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation today with Kathy Heard, and uh, have a great day. Well, Welcome to Kingdom Culture Conversations. Uh, my name is Jeff Brown, and I'm with Northwest Christian School. And of course, uh, Kingdom Culture Conversations is a, uh, an extension of Frameworks, the Biblical Worldview Initiative at Northwest Christian School. I'm so glad that you're with us today. Um, but Kathy, I am so happy that you are here with us today. I, it truly is an honor. When, when we invited you, I was thrilled that you accepted. And then when I understood that you were gonna be on our campus and uh, I was just blown away. So I wanna say thank you. Well, thank you, Jeff. I'm a great admirer of the work that you are doing here at Northwest Christian. Certainly my heart oh, is with you. Christian education. And of course, I remember being on this campus a lot of times, but in that gym over there yeah. at a basketball game, <laughs> rooting for another team. <laughs> but anyway, but, we can name but, that team. That was that was the Scottsdale Christian, yes, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Eagles, volleyball and basketball. Yes. So outside of your school choice, you have demonstrated unbelievable wisdom over the years, and that's what we're going to be exploring uh, exploring today. Uh, I, I do want to just let our our viewers and our listeners know one of the awards. When I in a moment, I'm going to read your intro. And as I do, one of the awards that you received uh, from the 
focus on the family organization was the Family Champion Award. And I want our listeners, I want our viewers to know that you may or may not, I can't imagine that you don't know who Kathy Herod is or what the Center for Arizona Policy is, but if that is the case, Kathy has been a tremendous advocate within the state of Arizona, at the state capitol specifically, but really throughout the state for faith, family, and freedom. And so as the superintendent of Northwest Christian Bible-believing, church-attending parent in the state of Arizona, I want to say thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing and, and the adventures that you must be <laughs> enduring right now as our culture kind of turns uh, the way it's been turning these last several years. I can't imagine what you're enduring, but I want you to know that we're praying for you and in, in frequently on our on our hearts and minds um, and very, very grateful. Well, and I just always have to say, I mean, thanks be to God. It's Amen. all the Lord and it's a calling. And I consider it a privilege to be able to be engaged in this mission, to put no, it that neat. way. Neat. And as you mentioned, you were a Scottsdale Christian. This isn't something you, you do. This is your heart, Christian education. But more specifically, and we'll talk about that, it's not just private Christian education, though that's where your family was. You have been a, a really robust supporter of school choice, educational freedom for parents generally. Well, advocating for parents to have mm -hmm. that choice, to be able to find the school setting that best meets their children's needs, that that's the priority. Yeah, and realizing that that competition between schools, when the sea level rises, all ships rise with it. Mm -hmm. And so when charters, private schools, public schools, home schools, whatever, when, when they're competing, students benefit across the board, regardless of the type of school that they attend. So thank you. But I'm going to jump into your, to your introduction here. And if you don't mind, I'm going to uh, just kind of drop into a couple things and ask for some clarification <laughs> for our students. Uh, the introduction says this, Kathy Herod is president of the Center for Arizona Policy, a nonprofit advocacy organization committed to promoting and defending the foundation, pr foundational principles of life, marriage, family, and religious freedom. A total of 174 CAP-supported bills have been passed into law since CAP made its first appearance at the state capitol in 1995. Is that, is that still the case, 174, or has it increased since this was no, written? As we're um, chatting today, we have another 14 in the wow. 2021 legislative session, but we're waiting to see what Governor Ducey does on two of them. Okay. So, uh, but so we're, we may be at 188, depending on Governor Ducey's anticipated action. Well, that's, that's exciting. Yesterday, I was sitting in a meeting with Kathy down at the Center for Arizona Policy. And as we're sitting there around this, <laughs> this table discussing, you had a computer open and you interrupted the meeting at one point. And, and almost as though, you know, last night, the, the, the Suns clinched up the series against the Clippers. And, and as the evening went on last night, I'm watching box scores and watching the game as it unfolds online. I'm not watching the game, I'm actually watching the updates. It was almost like you were doing the same thing yesterday with the state legislature. Mm -hmm. That's right, and actually my tweet yesterday was, um, a good day, legislature goes home, sons win. <laughs> so, you know, it was, um, it was a really good day yesterday. But yes, because we had an unexpected victory actually yesterday on a bill that kind of goes to end of life issues. And so I was like, it was kind of a surprise uh, how well it was going. And so, yes, yeah, so during the meeting, I couldn't resist like, okay, I've got to look at this vote um, on my iPad to see how it's going. So, yeah, but right down to the wire on a few issues. Well, for our listeners, for our students specifically, do you mind getting into that bill just a little bit talking about, because that, that I think is a stark example of advocacy in a very important direction. Sure. And um, this is where you have to keep up on the news and what's going on. About a year ago, I saw a newspaper article that during the COVID pandemic, 
there, there's something called crisis standards of care that our Arizona Department of Health Services, health departments in states throughout the country pass. Legislators don't know anything about it. And what it does is allocate resources mm. um, at the end of life. I mean, I'm sorry, re- allocate resources in a public health emergency. Mm-hmm. So the example of the Arizona Center for Disability Law had filed a complaint with the federal government saying that these crisis standards of care discriminate against the um, people with disabilities, the aged, and even people of color. And what it does is the the allocation of resources, we're going to say, you've got the hospital setting, you have someone come in who's disabled, and they have COVID, and they need a ventilator, say. You have another patient come in with COVID, and they need a ventilator. Well, how do you decide who gets the ventilator? It was going to be based on life expectancy. So that person in a wheelchair whatever condition it might be, they may have a life expectancy that is shorter than the person that's not in the wheelchair with a disability, but the person in the wheelchair with a disability might have a much, you know, how, how soon are they going to die? But their life expectancy over the term is going to be longer. I may be getting into the weeds too much, but basically decisions should not be made like that on the basis of life expectancy on some actuarial table or whatever. It should be based on short-term mortality. But out of those two patients, you know, almost like which one was the ventilator going to help more and, and, and save their life. And so rather than leave these in the hands of um, hospitals, in the hands of unelected bureaucrats, um, we wanted to have legislation that says you value life mm-hmm. and you ba- make the decision based on short-term mortality, which is what the dis- disabled community has said was the right standard to use. And so we it kind of languished throughout this session. The hospitals were not thrilled with it. And so we, we had, um, actually it's an issue where the Center for Arizona Policy and the American Civil Liberties Union agree. And so the ACLU was able to bring in some votes from the Democrat side and it passed. And it passed in the Arizona House with 48 out of 60 votes, which is almost unheard of on an issue that could be controversial, especially with hospitals opposing. So that sits on Governor Ducey's desk as we speak. Wow. I'm hopeful he will sign it, but I don't know what action he will take. Yeah, well, I hope he does too. And, and you look at that, and that's that's one of the things I appreciate about what you do is vigilance, because ordinarily, if we were to look at the sanctity of life, which is something we've discussed in Kingdom Culture conversations before, look at that sort of issue on a normal day, it, something like that. I would I would have to hope that the majority of Arizonans and of, of Americans wouldn't let something like that pass. But under the cover of night, under the cover of a public health crisis, suddenly something insidious like that slips through. But it was vigilance. Mm-hmm. That that caught it and brought it to the light of day. Well, and when I saw the newspaper article, I called um, Senator, well, then Chairman of the House Health Committee, Nancy Bartow. She had no idea that these standards were out there, and she's been dealing with health issues from a lawmaker's perspective for a number of years. And often at the state capitol in Arizona, it's what problem is there to be solved? Uh-huh. And so here was a clear problem that needed to be solved, that the disability community especially was not going to be protected in the allocation of resources. And, and certainly I had, you know, friends who were saying they had, you know, maybe not, maybe you have a loved one who has Down syndrome. That person's in the hospital and has COVID. Are they going to get the proper care? I mean, just right. that concern that parents, that those with disabilities have. And so let's just kind of clear this up. Let, you know, the, I should say the hospitals and the disability groups reached a settlement, reached an agreement on how this would be done. But that's an agreement that's only good for now. You know, our desire is to, from a public policy perspective, let's get that in Arizona law, get it in statute. So if we have this issue come up in the future, 
we don't have the same problem. They don't have to wait a year or more during a, a, a public health emergency to know whether their lives are going to have a, a, a chance of being protected or not. Yeah, and that's that's the advocacy. Mm -hmm. You know, that's right. that's what Center for Arizona Policy and, and specifically uh, you have been such a such a champion of, and I I absolutely love that. So forgive me, I took us off the track. I'm going to get back into to your introduction. I might take us off the track a couple other times. <laughs> forgive me if I do. As a mother, lawyer, and family advocate, Kathy knows that what happens at the state capitol directly impacts our daily lives, and, and we could get lost in that statement. That's a powerful statement. Kathy is an award-winning public policy leader. Arizona newspapers have recognized her as one of the 10 most influential leaders and is one of the key people with the juice, that's a quote, at the Arizona Capitol. She is the recipient of the Family Champion Award from Focus on the Family, the William Wilberforce Award from Students for Life of America, love that, and the Deborah Award from Family Life Radio. Alliance Defending Freedom, ADF, recognized Kathy and the Center for Arizona Policy with its Alliance Award in 2014. That's phenomenal. At the state capitol, Kathy has led the effort to pass significant pro-life legislation, uh, including the Abortion Consent Act, Abortion Clinic Regulations, and the Mother's Health and Safety Act. Kathy joined the Center for Arizona Policy as legislative counsel in 1997. Now in her 16th year as president, Kathy has set an ambitious three-year strategic plan for the organization with a vision that sees, and I love this, I'm gonna take the time to go through this. Arizona as a state where the sanctity of human life is protected and defended from its very beginning to its natural end. Number two, marriages and families are esteemed and thrive with enduring generational impact. Religious, number three, religious freedom is affirmed free from government interference. Kathy earned her Bachelor of Arts degree with honors and a Juris Doctorate from the University of Texas at Austin. Kathy and her husband, Mike, reside in Phoenix and have two adult children. Uh, unbelievable uh, sense of history and, and a, a profound career that she is now using. And again, this is kind of a recurring theme that we bring up in our Kingdom Culture Conversations. Your gifts, your talents, your passions put on the altar before the Lord to serve the people of Arizona. I have to imagine that as an attorney, there are a lot more profitable domains than religious liberty and family law, family policy. Uh, but you've taken your gifts, your passions, your talents, your interests, you put them on the altar, and God's used them in some pretty, pretty glorious ways. Finances, um, affluence have not been your motive, and, and that's tremendous. I think that's a great example for, for our students, for our families. Obviously, your, your Christian testimony is, is a big part of, of who you are. Can you talk a little bit about your journey of faith? Um, what did that look like? Sure. Well, I, um, interestingly, I will say I'm a child of divorce, mm. that um, my parents divorced when I was four years old. And I lived in Texas with my mother, and my dad was in Arizona. Wow. So I was a twice-a-year kid. I was raised, uh, my mother actually had um, significant mental health issues. So she and I lived with my grandparents growing up. My grandfather was on my local school board and my local city council. Hmm. So I was kind of raised in many ways by a grandfather who was engaged in small-town politics. Um, my father was would be more of a conservative on the conservative side when I would see him. Uh, but my so my upbringing was that politics mattered, that what happened in city council and school board made a difference. I would say that I was a political junkie, 
that I, I always just kind of thought politics was just fascinating for the pure politics of it. At what age? Um, at what oh, age did that oh I can remember at 10 years old, um, really? going to the opening of Hubert Humphrey's campaign headquarters in my little town in Texas. Wow. And so that, you know, that dates me right there. Um, but, and I thought it was just fascinating, you know, and I would follow things. Uh, and I can remember, of course, when John F. Kennedy died and being, you know, ushered in at the time I was at a Catholic school, going, uh, being ushered in to um, pray and all those kind of things. And so I kind of grew up with an interest in politics, read newspapers, um, you know, thought at one point, oh, I'll be an astronaut because I grew up cl close to where NASA was and then realized I need, you know, that meant science and math and that wasn't exactly my strong suit. But, you know, just grew up kind of really more in that kind of, that kind of environment. I hit the college campus and was ready like for political activism and started, you know, a number of different degree choices, but landed on a government degree. And I would characterize those college years as, of me being a liberal feminist. Mm -hmm. I thought that, um, you know, abortion was legal. We should simply um, work to make it not um, needed, you know, to work on whether it be sex education, whatever, that abortion was legal, the courts had decreed, leave it that way. Um, more of a social justice, you know, type of person, and that can be defined a lot of different ways. So very active in my church denomination, but uh, and did a lot of different political jobs, worked on campaigns, worked on, um, worked in the state legislature in Texas, did the kind of internship in D.C. and Washington, D.C., worked for a year in Washington, D.C., and decided to go to law school because, um, I, you know, to me, that's what all good political junkies did back then is that you just kind of, I felt like I kind of caved in, okay, instead of getting a master's or, or continuing to work in D.C. government and the U.S. Senate, I was in the U.S. Senate at the time, that I would go ahead and go to law school. Kind of entered law school not knowing what I would do. Entered law school as a liberal feminist um, who, you know, believed in God, um, had, you know, understood sovereignty of God to some extent, did not know who Jesus was, and as a single woman, and left law school as a married um, believer in Jesus Christ, uh, and okay, politics was over. That how conservative Christians, especially conservative Christian women, did not engage in politics. Um, but when you, as far as you know, earlier you mentioned during law school, I thought, okay, I'm going to drop out of law school. This isn't much fun. Oh. I'm going to be getting married. Why stay in law school? And my wise father said, "Don't drop out. You do not know how the Lord's going to use it." Wow. Um, very wise words. Yes. So um, I stuck it out. Uh, my husband and I, uh, he was a native Austin guy. We, were, of course, met in Austin at school. And we decided to move out to Phoenix to be around really the, um, the strong Christian parts of my family. And so we came out here and I thought, okay, what am I? I, you know, passed the state bar, I mean, passed the bar exam. Okay, I'm a licensed attorney. What am I going to do with this? Because my heart was, I wanted to make sure that I was a, could do what I, what I could to be a godly Christian woman. And of course, at the time, there weren't there weren't like Christian women that I met or knew that were licensed attorneys, yeah. or even doctors, or you know, in professional careers at the time. A trailblazer and, of sorts. Well, and and at the same time, it's like that I needed to be grounded in God's word. Mm. And so this is where my wise mom, meaning my stepmother, was like, you know, don't don't launch into like a full time career so that I could get grounded in God's word and what God would have for me. Wow. And so I did at the time it was preset Bible studies with Kay Arthur, you know, but did some, you know, really tried to get grounded in. Um, it was my mom who would say, what do they say about Jesus? When I would talk about the things that I'd done in church, leadership roles in church and that kind of thing, I couldn't answer that question. So that was a lot of my motivation. Okay. I've got to go find out you know, what this Bible has to that's say. That's phenomenal. And, and what do they say about Jesus? Because wow. I had a, a belief in God, but not an understanding of who Jesus was, of what salvation was, of, the, you know, really a grounding. So, and even, you know, my mom would say, well, 
you know, Jesus had his, I mean, even well, Paul had his three years in the wilderness of being training, being equipped and stuff. And so it helped at, at the first part of our marriage that I wasn't the engaged in full-time career, an illegal career. I actually did the, the paralegal, the secretarial work for my husband because he took That's over an existing law practice. And so I, I, you know, helped him with that. But then, you know, it was basically a stay-at-home mom. And started in how I got more engaged in the political stuff was at that time, um, it was in the what would it be in the late in the mid to late eighties, and all of a sudden it was um, cool or acceptable for Christian women especially to be paying attention to what was going on in politics. That what happened at the state capitol, what happened in Washington D.C., directly impacted your family, your ability to train up your children in the way they should go, and that certainly the scripture that we're called to pray for those in authority. And so that we were to pray for those in authority. So we were involved with a group called Concerned Women for America. Where did you live at the time? In Phoenix. In Phoenix. Yeah, okay. in Phoenix. And that it, it, we called them prayer action chapters. Neat. And so we had, um, and so we would meet on a regular basis to pray. The acronym there being PAC. Right. Yes. Similar to political action right. committee, but prayer right. action chapters. That's yeah. brilliant. Love it. And, and we call it at times lobbying from your kitchen table. So we would pray. And if there was a need to write a letter to your senator or your state representative, we would do that and say, here's what we support or not support. Wow. So so spent a number of years doing that. Um, all volunteer. I was the Arizona director. And then and kind of like, okay, kind of gradually God showed me that this was my calling and kind of got a little too busy with that, with having young children in the home and all of that. So anyway, we had some time off in between. Um, my children were probably at the time, they were little and, and starting in school when I was doing Concerned Women for America, then I had some time away. And then gradually, um, actually, you know, when you think about our schools, I was on a first grade school field trip. And another mom who was doing like a part-time ministry out of her home, she said it was God, it was what God made her to do after being a wife and mother. And so for me, I've said it was like the light bulb time. Neat. That it was like, okay, um, my younger child was in first grade at the time. It was a first grade field trip. You never know what will happen on first grade field trips. <laughs> but I, I was on a first grade field trip, and I, and I thought, okay, this is, you know, after being a wife and mother, that my calling was to be engaged in public policy. And so then I started with um, Center for Arizona Policy when my daughter was in first grade, when my younger child was in first grade. Northwest Christian School has made Biblical Worldview online courses available to all high school students for transcript credit, regardless of whether they attend public school, private school, charter school, or homeschool. Frameworks is an exciting new initiative utilizing the learning management system of Grand Canyon University. For more information, visit BibleClassesForPublicSchools.com.